Uh, I would like to present to you a very important area of ministry tonight. It's on the topic of inner healing. Uh, this is not only a very valid ministry in the Lord's Church, uh, but it's done through the Holy Spirit. And it's an avenue by which true freedom and uh, restoration in our inner man can be found in Christ. Now, not all branches of Christianity accept this, which is sad. Uh, also, it's also a very immense topic. It's a really big one, and I have about an hour or less to present it. So that's uh, kind of hard for me. But because I did this one time in our Bible uh, counseling school, and it, didn't, it took me 10 weeks. So less than an hour is not that, not that easy. Uh, so um, for some people, I'm sure this is going to be new information. Uh, to others, it'll add on to maybe what you've already heard on this topic. I want to give you a little uh, biblical background of why it is a valid topic and uh, exactly what is taking place here. What does Christ do in our lives? So as we look at this here, uh, it's important to remember a couple things up front. For the believer, this is not psychology because in psychiatry, there are some psychiatrists that do pursue this on a secular level for sure. Uh, there's other things out there that are not Christianity. This is not some new age imaging it's not finding a new view of life. It's uh, simply finding the wholeness that Christ offers us where the wounds of the past are healed. And a little background first, perhaps. Uh, this first became popular in the modern Christian church at the close of World War II uh, through the ministry of a lady named Agnes Sanford. I, I believe she was British, and she was ministering to troops who were leaving the war and that were heavily traumatized. And um, she prayed with them, and her ministry became uh, known as Healing of Memories, which is not really a good name for it, and it then got to know, have the name Inner Healing. Uh, the soldiers she prayed for did find great relief from the trauma that they experienced, from the nightmares they were experiencing. These uh, People that couldn't even speak because of what they witnessed in war. And they found genuine relief and uh, wholeness in their lives as a result of her ministry. Uh, so through her, uh, this work has become really a, a prayer ministry. There's maybe a better word for it today. Where Jesus brings wholeness to those who have been horrified by the wounds in their souls uh, that have happened in life. And here in Agnes's experience through those who have been in horrible war experiences. Now, unfortunately, we don't have the overhead tonight to show scripture, so I'm going to have to read them to you. So if you take the notation of what the scripture is, uh, that might help you a little bit. I want to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, out of the King James. It's unusual how that has it written. And it says here, For the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That's W-H, holy. And I pray, God, for your whole spirit and soul and body to be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we learn several things from this scripture. One thing we learn, when I like how the King James does it, that we are, we are tripartite. We are a three-part being. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. We're not a body that has a spirit. We are a spirit. We live in a body. This is your earth suit. You can't live on planet earth without it. Right? You can't live on the moon without a moon suit. That's the law. You can't live on planet earth without an earth suit. If you leave your earth suit, you leave this physical realm. You are a spirit, and you have a soul, and you live in a body. Uh, uh, it was Tom. So anyway, um, 
So part of this, our, our three-part of who we are, is our soul. That's the real us. And the soul realm, it's like a realm. It's, a, it's our, our mind, our intellect, our emotions, our feelings, our memories of life that all make up our personality. The uniqueness of you. Of course, when we leave our bodies, our spirit and our soul together are in the presence of the Lord. The real you is still alive unto Christ. As Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that's a very important key here. So part of this verse also talks about sanctify. Uh, sanctify means to be set apart and consecrated as holy or growing in holiness. So keep all that in mind a little bit. a little background here. Uh, let's go to a different scripture in Romans chapter 12. In verse 2, this was out of the uh, NIV Bible, and it says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a lot said here. Uh, in being sanctified, right, growing in holiness, consecrated to God, we're under a transformation process. A transformation is taking place in us. We look the same outwardly, but something happened inside where we're not the same anymore inside. Something has changed, and it's continuing to change. Where does this take place? It happens in my mind, my soul realm. Uh, my soul realm is expressed through my mind, through my brain. It's like the key to the, to the spirit realm that the Lord works through. And the word transformation here. In the Greek, it's morphe, and it means, uh, it lays stress on an inward change is taking place that no one can see. Okay, so we have this inward change that no one can see as we renew our minds. But the other Greek word here for conformed stresses an outward change that everybody can see. So in other words, as the Lord works on me on the inside, it does a transformation that how I now how relate to the world around me and the others around me, they see something changed. Something has happened inside of me. And, of course, I'm sure as believers, people have said to you, what's different about you? Why have you changed? Something's, something's different. Of course, you're going through a transformation process inside that they can't see. But outwardly, they can see that something's different. And so the Lord does this in us. And, of course, this takes place internally. So where does this inner healing take place? Inwardly. It's an inward transformation that Holy Spirit brings us. Okay, so our, you know, our entire Christian life on this earth, while we're in this body, we are un undergoing a transformation process from darkness to light. Uh, we are growing in holiness, growing in sanctification. At least I hope we are. Uh, we're constantly under a transformation process led by Holy Spirit. As you read the Word of God, you're under a transformation process. As you pray, as you die to self, as we sit under the Word of God, we're preaching and teaching. You're undergoing a transformation process. As you're sitting here right now, transformation is happening in your lives. You may not comprehend it with your mind, but something's happening in you. There's a transformation process taking place. So we're constantly undergoing this transformation and this sanctification. Okay? This is the normal Christian life, daily transformation. So as we consider that, uh, I don't have a video, but let's take a picture of a river. Let's say we have a river flowing. Everybody knows what a river looks like. Let's say it's a small river. And we have a river flowing. Okay, that nice little stream. It's a picture also of our discipleship journey this side of heaven. We're all on that river flowing. 
uh, the grace of God is coming into our lives, and we flow merrily along as we grow in the graces in Christ Jesus. Okay, easy. But however, for so many folks, uh, they get stuck. They get stuck on that river, and they get hindered by that, that, hinder, that flow of God's grace gets hindered in our lives. And it gets hindered by us, and we get stuck. Uh, usually, that comes from emotional pains in life that we have experienced. They stumble us, and we get stuck like there's little boulders or obstacles in the river that, that get us stuck. And um, these things that hinder that Holy Spirit flow that we're going through uh, can be things like trauma. Uh, it can be unresolved hurts in life that we've seen. It can be our sinful response to life's hurts. You have to remember, you know, people sin against us, but how do I respond? I respond sinfully. I don't respond in a way usually that honors God, right? I respond in a way that I don't like you. I want you dead. I want you to hurt now because of what you did to me. I don't want to forgive you. You follow? I, I have a sinful response to sin done to me. I shouldn't, but hey, I'm still under construction. I haven't really got there all 100% all the way, right? Wow, a lot of me is still alive. A lot of me still has to go to the cross. All of us. So there's sins in life done to us, uh, but there's also how do I respond? Usually not very godly. And when that happens, I get stuck. My sinful response gets me stuck. So sometimes we need intervention when we get stuck. Uh, now, consider the, the river again. Those of you who remember from school what an ebb is, E-B-B, an ebb in the river, that's where you have like a little flow outside the river that it flows into. It's really quiet waters. It's not flowing waters. It's a little thing on the side of a river, on, on the bank. We need to be pulled off that flowing river where the waters are more stiller. Much more, is stiller a word? Much more still. Where it's quiet and the Holy Spirit can work on me so that I can get back into the flow of the river. Now, we call that biblical counseling. That's that ebb in the river where people need a, an intense personal discipleship. Because really, there, there is no such thing as biblical counseling. It's discipleship. Everything's discipleship. But when it becomes real intense, that's a personal counsel we, we go through. We call it biblical counseling. But that's a, an ebb we've been pulled into to get healed, to go back into the flow of the river. Sometimes deliverance is needed in people's lives. And sometimes inner healing is needed. All those are little ebbs in the river where we can get personal attention, a little more work on us because we're getting stuck with obstacles. So because of these wounds of life, uh, we all often can get stuck in memories of the past that we can't seem to es escape from, yet we constantly try to escape from them. Uh, obviously, people who have been in foreign war know what that's like. They want to forget very quickly, but they can't. It still plagues them quite a bit. So now, if you can't relate to anything I'm saying, then obviously this is not for you. But if you can quickly identify with these statements, you can understand the dilemma folks can be in and what it's like to get stuck in life due to the pains and the hurts that we experience in life. Now, I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Again, if I had the scripture up here, it would be nicer to look at. Uh, this is the NIV Bible, and I'm going to read bits of it here. In verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. Forgetting what lays behind, 
pressing forward to what lies ahead. In verse 14, he says, I press on towards the goal. It's like he's saying, I want to get back into this river flow and, and move on and press on. Yet, so many folks have difficulty forgetting what lies behind. Then we have an amazing statement that he follows with in verse 15, which is very key here to what Paul is saying. He says, all of us who are mature should take such view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. That's an amazing statement. That means pressing on is the mature view we must have. The I can't go on, I, I can't tolerate this anymore is not the answer. That's not the mature view. The mature view is I need to move on. I need to move on in life. Uh, there's an old saying, uh, there's no future in the past. There's no future in looking at the past. Uh, and, you know, we need to move on. But some people just can't. They get stuck, and their wounds of the past get them stuck uh, in their maturing in Christ. They're pressing on. So the Lord, the Lord needs to make this clear to us, uh, personally, what, he's, what is muddied in inside of us. So inner healing from the Lord then comes, and we're able to press on and move on. Now, hurts and traumas are usually the source of most of this, and they can come from all walks of life. Uh, they usually tend to be deep wounds and hurts that go back to childhood for many folks. They could be from war, uh, rape, abuse, uh, any abuse done to people, uh, brutal crimes, criminal crimes against people, and even divorce can cause very deep personal wounds in, in folks. I've met many people who have suffered greatly. I have not been divorced, but I've met many people who have suffered greatly as a result of divorce, more than others. It can cause great wounds. And these memories still seem to govern our present, uh, although they're in the past. Uh, so the maturing transformation process here is being hindered in our lives. Uh, thus, we have to have an inner healing take place within us because so many of these wounds go so deep and they don't seem to heal and these memories just won't stay in the past where you can look back at them and say, oh, that happened. But rather, you can't look back at it because it's so much pain involved. Um, so many people need healing so they can mature in their growth in Christ, continuing in that Holy Spirit river flow. Are you with me okay? Not going too fast, I hope? Okay, I have a lot of stuff here. All right, let's look at some scriptural support for this. Like I said, a lot of churches do not believe in, in, in such a ministry, a lot of them. And unfortunately, there's been so much written over this over the past 50 years, a lot of it's been an error, and a lot of it's been spiritually dangerous in its teachings. So you've got to be very careful when you look at this topic. Uh, there's certainly quality teaching. Uh, John and Paula Sanford have wonderful teaching on this topic. No relation to Agnes Sanford. Uh, and um, we need to have a very Christ-centered, biblical approach to this and be led of Holy Spirit if we're going to be ministered to and ministered to others on this topic. Now, I can't do an in-depth Bible study tonight. There's, there's no time for this. But I do want to show some examples, and that's the key here, from Jesus' ministry. Jesus is always our model. We do what he does. And we learn from him that he did bring to people what we would call inner healing. If we go back to some of those things he did in a new light, we see new light shed to us on this of how Jesus ministered. And uh, just so happens, all my examples are in the Gospel of John. 
So I don't have the scriptures to show you, and I don't want to read them all because they're too extensive. But let's look at a few examples. Let's look in John chapter 4. Many of you know this already. We have the uh, example of the woman at the well, right? Jesus meets the woman at the well. And um, in fact, anyone has ever watched some of the uh, streaming episodes of The Chosen? How many have seen The Chosen? Okay, they give this one a pretty good A+. This one they got right, really got right. Uh, especially when you watch the woman at the well and how she was transformed. And that's the key here. Something happened to her. And that's what we're looking at here. So in John chapter 4, Jesus hangs out by this well. And this woman comes up to him. And um, it was in Samaria. She was a Samaritan woman. Namely, she was not liked by the Jews. She was a, an ethnic group they hated. Because uh, the, the Samaritans are a hybrid of Jews and Assyrians from the time of uh, when the kingdom was divided. And uh, it reminded the Jewish people when they were idol worshippers. And they don't like Samaritans. Okay, they're very hated people at this time. So anyway, we have here um, in John chapter 4, uh, Jesus goes to the well. And uh, he's sitting at the well here in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman uh, said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus goes on here to say, If you knew the gift of God and who it is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. Anyway, they have this discussion here. And uh, it goes on and on uh, where Jesus then says, the water that I give him will be in him and a spring of water welling up onto eternity. And they continue to talk. And the woman uh, says here in verse 15, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. I'll have to come, keep coming here to draw water. And this is where pages stick together. There we go. And he told her, uh, call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband. And he said to her, you're right. And you said you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands. And the man you are now with is not your husband. What you said is quite true. And, of course, the greatest understated verse in the New Testament, sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. <laughs> Didn't take a lot to figure that one out. So we have here, much can be drawn from this incident, first of all. Um, there's many different topics that are taught here. Uh, but when you read this account very carefully, in verses 4 to 29, it's a very long reading, we're not going to do that tonight, we see here a woman very heavy laden with sin. She is not a happy woman. I see someone with very deep inner hurts and wounds. And if you saw the episode they did at The Chosen, they really got this correct. And uh, having five husbands will do that to you. Jaja could write a book on that. And if you don't know who Jaja is, I really don't care. You're way too young. Anyway, um, so this is a hurt that she's had for years. So finally here, Jesus is ministering to her. And look at her response here in verse 29. She leaves there and she goes into the town and she is you know, you, when you read this, we fail to see, she's excited. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? 
and she's really excited here. She has a whole change of countenance. Something has happened inside of her where now she's bubbling with joy when she had no joy. Uh, so when she's done speaking with Jesus here, here's what I see. Uh, I see here Jesus saw into her innermost being, and now she's overwhelming with joy. It sounds to me, by what I'm reading here, this is a person that has experienced inner healing by coming in contact with Jesus. In fact, many who teach on inner healing use this scripture as an example of Jesus' ministry. He did something in her that changed her. The heavy burden that she had in life was gone. All right, let's look at another example here in John chapter 8. Here we have the woman caught in the act of adultery. And uh, I think we read this a couple of Sundays back. And here they catch her, they throw her down at the feet of Jesus, and um, they're, they're about to stone her, and they did this to try, to try to trap Jesus, and of course, he turns the tables on them quite quickly, and he says here in verse uh, 7, if any one of you is without sin, let him cast the first stone. All of a sudden, they start meandering away because of uh, he's exposing their own sinfulness to them. And then he says to the woman there, uh, he's all alone with her, and he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Now here we, what do you see here? I see a woman deeply hurt, deeply wounded. Obviously the man gets away. They probably entrapped her for this. And um, she feels betrayed, I'm sure. So how do you think she felt inside when Jesus said, neither do I condemn you? Leave now and go sin no more. I think she felt clean, right? I think she felt happy. I think she felt joyous. I think she felt free from inner hurts and wounds. This is an inner healing here that Jesus did in this lady, which was profound. And notice here, again, it's very closely associated with forgiveness. That the burden of sin in our lives is removed. Very important here, how Jesus ministers. Another example, again, we've had a lot of time where we go in great detail, but we don't. John chapter 9, another classic one. Here we have the man that was born blind in verses 1 to 38. Very long reading, which we're not going to do. Um, Jesus heals his eyes, uh, and the Pharisees don't like that. They don't like that a healing was done that can't be refuted. Uh, surely you must be lying. You probably were never blind. All this kind of stuff they were uh, uh, badgering him with. And um, they don't like his answers. And then we see they throw him out of the synagogue. Um, they said, to you, to this they replied, you, who was steeped in sin at birth, how dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. they got to remember, the synagogue is all this man knows his entire life. And those that control it, those that have the authority, discard him. How would you like to be in a church your entire life and then discard it because the church doesn't like what you said or did? That's got to be pretty crushing. Here this man is totally thrown out, excommunicated for not complying with the Pharisees' uh, uh, demand to reject Jesus. This is a trauma of public reproach. This is a heavy trauma that's happening to this guy. How do you think he took that? I think he must have been devastated. I think he must have been absolutely devastated. Then we have here in verse 35 one of the most peculiar scriptures you see in the Gospels. Because in the Gospels, people seek after Jesus. Here, Jesus seeks after him. Very rare. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him. 
Jesus went looking for him. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Verse 36, who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell him me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then we have here verse 36. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. So here we have uh, an instance where this man is now worshipping Jesus. What do you see here? I see a man smiling, rejoicing, because Jesus healed the trauma of rejection that this man had just experienced, the hurt that was just caused in him. All of a sudden, he didn't really care about the religious system of his day. He found a freedom inside that he and he alone had apart from what men could give him, a freedom that, that no outside religious group could give you. That's only found by knowing God, right? So here we have another example of Jesus bringing healing. And one last one to look at, which is a really good one, uh, a really outstanding one. Here in John chapter 21, we have Jesus restores Peter. Let me read first of all from Matthew chapter 26, verse 75. When you hear 75, that's a long chapter. Okay. Right after Peter denied Jesus, then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoke, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went and wept bitterly. I don't know about anyone here has wept bitterly, but they would know what that means. The harm they caused was so great, they wept bitterly. Uh, this is what Peter did here. How do you think Peter felt? I think he felt lower than dirt. I think he, it opened up a wound inside of his heart bigger than the Grand Canyon. This guy is hurt big time. I have betrayed the master. What have I done? This is, I'm sure in his mind, unforgivable. Peter needs restoration. And only Jesus can provide this. So here we have in John chapter 21, in verses 15 to 19, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's now appearing before his disciples. And here he's hanging out with Peter, among others. And uh, he's giving Peter an opportunity here to declare his love and his commitment to Jesus. Three times he approaches Peter. One for every single time Peter denied him. And you know the story. And then he says to Peter in verse 19, follow me. Well, he was already following him. Follow me. Which is a reaffirming of his apostleship. Wow, what is this? This is deep inner healing. Because I'm sure when Jesus said that, Peter remembered in, in Matthew chapter 4, when, while he was fishing, when Jesus called him to be fishers of men. I'm sure that memory is etched vividly in his mind. And now it's reaffirmed by the love and the confidence now that Jesus has in him. That's an amazing thing. And, of course, Peter went on to serve the Lord. The Lord brought inner healing to the man's soul uh, that he had done to himself. Sin he had done. Only the Lord could bring that restoration. Now, some people might be saying here, if you're still skeptical of the topic of inner healing, well, hey, look, that was Jesus. Yeah, but remember what it tells us in John uh, chapter 14, verse 12, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also. Greater works than these shall he do because I go to be with the Father. So Jesus continues his inner healing ministry through his church. And that's not an organization, that's you and me. We are the people of the Lord's church. He continues his earth walk. Through his church, you and me. Uh, so Jesus still does the inner healing now. 
except through Holy Spirit. Um, actually, it doesn't tell us in Hebrews about Jesus that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The ministry he did then, he does now. He still does his inner healing ministry. Amen. So let's take a little closer look at this. Um, I want to have time here for prayer later. Uh, so who needs inner healing? Uh, well, um, let's mention some areas here, some issues. Um, first of all, anybody stuck in past memories that they can't break free from? Um, for a lot of people, these are hurts that happened in childhood. Uh, they're usually issues of rejection, either from parents or from siblings. It could be abuse from anyone. It could be bullies that they were affected by. It could be neglect. Uh, it could be traumatic experiences that happened in childhood. It could be being abandoned, being unloved. I could mention many, many stories, but uh, not, not due to time. So all those are issues or areas where uh, hurts can happen in childhood, where people get stuck in harmful memories. Um, early childhood wounds like this have led adults in anorexia, uh, suicidal thoughts, a lot of addictions find their birth in these wounds of childhood that people have as adults. Uh, people have an inability sometimes to love in marriage or to love as parents are rooted in childhood hurts and wounds. And there's so many other ways, so many other ways where this manifests. It's so sad. Another major area is people who can't seem to find forgiveness from God. That's a whole separate issue. These are people who think God cannot forgive them because they believe that something they did is so great, they're burdened down with such great guilt, uh, and many, many have gone to war, suffer from this. Uh, people tend to uh, confess the same past sin over and over and over again, but can't come to a place inside where they believe God has forgiven them. Uh, they're stuck in their past. They have to come to a place of faith. They need an inner healing inside of them to know that uh, the Lord washes them clean. Amen. Now, there's other areas, too, that are symptoms of some people needing inner healing. There's too many to explain tonight. I'll just go through a few of them briefly. Um, any event of horror or trauma from the past that constantly plays over and over like a videotape in people's minds, something that sometimes it's reoccurring nightmares. You get that a lot from people, again, that have been to war. Um, but any trauma of the past that just keeps playing back to someone. Another area are people that go into rages or they seem to overreact emotionally. I'm sure you've met them. Uh, they just go into rages. And they're, they're fine until a certain topic comes to them and it's like you pushed a button and they go off. And that's because it touched a wound that hurts and they can't control the reaction of it. They can't control the pain of it. Um... Another one is deep resentment and unforgiveness from people who hurt them in their past. Remember what I said, uh, there is sin done to us, and then there's times I don't respond in a very godly way, too, when sin is done to me. When that happens, uh, that presents, presents a lot of resentment and a lot of unforgiveness. In fact, much inner healing comes to us in life when we make decisions to forgive. We make decisions to let go the people that we've held on to in hate, in vengeance, in resentment. Uh, that's the only way out of that area for inner healing to happen. We have to let go and forgive. That's a very important key. 
Another one, this is a very complicated topic. This is called uh, deep inner vows. Inner vows are kind of hard to explain. Uh, this usually always happens in childhood. Uh, maybe by an example. How many women out there, no hands please, how many women out there who, who would say as a child, I'll never marry a man like my father. And guess what? You married a man just like your father. What is that? You made an inner vow. And it was an ungodly inner vow. And usually we forget these as children. And, but they're like magnets drawing the very thing to us we would never want. Remember Scarlett O'Hara and Gone with the Wind? Right? She got the dirt in her hands. I swear before God I'll never go hungry again. Right? And she goes through serial marriages to get whatever she wants in life so she never goes hungry again. Yeah. That's a deep inner vow. That's as an adult, though. Um, I rem I've, gosh, I've known people because their parents were so messed up, they made inner vows as a child, I'll never grow up. And guess what? As an adult, their children inside. They're responsible, can't make decisions, they're a mess. Because they made a vow, I'll never grow up. Because they don't like what they say as adults. So a, a lot of these are deep uh, judgments made towards parents. When we were when we we're children, uh, very very common, very common. Again, a heavy topic that that's a whole separate issue in itself. Um, there's a lot of people out there still trying to win the approval of their father that their fathers never gave them, right? And they get it, they try to get that through others. Be a pastor, you'll find that out. Constantly, people coming up to you telling you things they did they're real proud of. And you're going, okay. Inside, you're like, I really don't care, but they have to tell you. Because they want your approval. Because their father never gave them approval. So what do you do? You give them inner healing to give them approval. And that gives them healing that they never had. That's very important to recognize that. When uh, you're mentoring someone, it could be women or men, and uh, they're, they're, they, they, they have to get your approval with something. That's something that they're desperately seeking inside of themselves. And you give them approval. That's being a ministering, loving person to them, to bring healing to them. Very important. Um, again, a whole separate topic. Another one is called hearts of stone or cold heart of stone. These are people who cannot show emotion or compassion. Um, this, again, all comes from childhood usually. These people who put a wall up and they will not let you come near them emotionally. You will not be able to get close to them. Sometimes a lot of cruel people fall into this category hearts of stone. Uh, how could people be so cruel? Because of a, it's a mechanism they use to protect themselves because of the wounds of childhood that they had. Another one, flight. That's an airplane, zoom, flight. Uh, these are people who are always on the run in life and can never settle down. You've met them. They're always on the run. They can't stay at a job long enough. They can't live in a town long enough. Off they go again. They live somewhere else. Uh, they go to different parts of the country thinking it's got their answer. Oh, that didn't have my answer. So they go somewhere else. They're always on the run. If, interesting story here. Uh, does anybody remember the ministry of Dave Reaver? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yes. Oh, okay. You remember Dave Reaver. He came to Ocean County here back in the early 80s. Dave Reaver was a Vietnam War vet who was blown up in Vietnam, maybe by a grenade or a landmine. He was heavily disfigured, lost an eye, an ear. Anyway, Dave has, a, he was an evangelist, but he spent the rest of his ministry life ministering to Vietnam vets. Okay. Long story short, Dave had found out when they were in Vietnam, Buddhist monks were putting curses on American troops that they would have restless lives, that they would go back to their land and never find a home. 
And wow, if you've looked at a lot of Vietnam vets over the years, right, right? Haven't they have a lot of restlessness? Sometimes they're just at home living in the woods. It makes them happy. How can you be home in the woods? Because that, that's a, it's a restless curse put over their lives. That has to be broken in Christ. Yeah, a lot, a lot of Vietnam vets have had that issue, different from other wars. I remember many years ago, uh, we rented the space at an um, American Legion Hall for our Bible school. And the guys that ran the American Legion Hall, they were all World War II vets primarily. And I was saying, hey, how are things going? Guys coming out. They go, you know, we can't get these Vietnam vets to come out. They're a different group. They just don't want to come out. Well, he was noticing something that was quite obvious. Yeah, they're, they're a different group because of what they went through. And uh, so flight is another big issue. Um, people who have to control everything. Controllers, this is a big issue. Um, these are people, uh, again, this usually goes back to childhood. Uh, they have to control everything or, every, or everyone uh, because they were heavily controlled as children. Or uh, they had very little control in life over the hurts that came to them. And now they have to control everything so they don't get hurt again. Um, uh, and oftentimes they try to control things they have very little control over. There's people angry over stuff you have no control over. I mean, you can't change it. Why are you wasting your time getting upset? Right? Yeah. Um, that's another issue where inner healing is needed. Another one is burial. These are people who refuse to remember the past because it's too painful. They bury memories um, because if they recall them, it hurts too much. Burial is a very common issue. Then there's others that are just intensely selfish or very possessive uh, to the point where they hurt their own families because of their own selfishness. I've met people like that. He has to buy his leather jacket that costs near $1,000, but his family can't find food for the table. Why are you spending $1,000 on a leather jacket? I've, I've met these people. When your family is in desperate need of just basic survival, how can you do that to them? Okay, uh, a lot of this is sin, again, due to inner hurts and wounds from childhood. Or thinking if you, the more things you buy, the more satisfied you'll be, right? I, re, I remember a bumper sticker I saw once because there was one that was like, he who has the most toys at the end wins. There's this bumper sticker, he who has the most toys at the end wins nothing. I love that. You win nothing. So we could list many more, but these are probably the most common ones if we had to take a look at them. Uh, and there's a lot of hidden roots here. That's the point. There's hidden roots that need a spiritual axe laid to it and cut. So the past is cut once and for all. Only the Lord can produce such a ministry like that. And the Lord sometimes does this very sovereignly in people's lives. <clears throat> sometimes just as you're growing in Christ, Right? Uh, inner healing comes to you. Uh, no, I remember Pastor Walt when he was alive. He used to tell a story, and this was not easy for him to tell because he was a very private person, and he didn't want to let you know privately what life was like. But he used to tell this story very frequently. Uh, in the, in the uh, city that he grew up in, life was hard, and life was very violent. And when he became a Christian, he wanted to very much forget all the people he hurt prior to when he was a believer. And he said he would be going, this is very early in his Christian walk, he'd be going to bed at night, and as soon as he put his head in the pillow, all of a sudden a videotape would go on, and he would remember someone he was hurting very badly. And then he would weep very bitterly over that sin and ask the Lord to forgive them and pray for that person that he hurt. What's that? That's inner healing. And, and all of a sudden, then it stopped and never happened again. The Lord did a work of inner healing in his soul 
just sovereignly by God. Many people have gone through things like that, where hurts of the past have shown up as a, as a believer, and they're able to go to the Lord with it and find cleansing and, and, and forgiveness. Um, so those are very important things. So most of us, uh, what we have to realize here, these are connected to very often unforgiveness. These are very often connected to selfishness. They're connected to resentment and bitterness, all of which are sin. So sin keeps us bound up, right? Remember, sin is done to me, but I respond sinfully. And that causes my own problems. Uh, Brother Jim, can you get your guitar? There he is. And uh, minister to us in the background there. We want to be offering prayer for folks. And I want to just mention here a few things here. Now listen carefully. All of us have had hurts in life to one degree or another. I mean, to live on planet Earth is impossible not to have hurts. So I'm not implying everyone needs inner healing. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is if people are stuck in their growth in Christ, then they need an inner healing from the Lord inside. Now, I'm not trying to, this is not trying to remember those hurts of the past. Rather, it's those that can't forget the hurts of the past. Uh, even though they try to do so, it still has them bound up. Uh, and if that's you, you know it, and you don't need any explanation. You don't need anybody to talk to you about it. You know it. Uh, you, you, you've experienced it. But the good news is, and that's the point we want to talk about tonight, is that Jesus heals today. And he heals the brokenhearted, just as he did in his earth walk. And he will continue to. If we go to him, he doesn't turn us away. But forgiveness here is a key. That's a central key to being released from the past. Uh, forgiving, receiving his forgiveness for where we have failed. Receiving forgiveness and bringing forgiveness to others who have wounded us, disappointed us. And I have met people that I'm amazed at the things they've experienced in life. Cannot believe people have had hurts and wounds the way some people have been affected. Unbelievable stuff. I could never have thought of how people could be so cruel to other people. Absolutely amazing. And even then, the Lord can bring healing. So when we do this, something happens. Something new happens. This is transformation. Transformation is not healing. Healing would be fixing the old wine skin. Transformation is getting a whole new wine skin. The Lord brings us something brand new again. Jesus forgives. He cleanses. He heals our wounds. He gives us joy. Uh, true sanctification happens when we are transformed into his likeness. So those folks that are praying tonight for folks, could you please come up here? We have these nice open areas here. How about if you come over here? If you come now, all those who are ready for prayer, to pray for people. And as you're doing that, um, I want to give you instructions on the spot, okay? I'd like to see you do this two at a time. I'd like to see women pair with women and men pair with men, okay? So that's two men together, two women together, all right? So we have more men here that could pray to help us and have prayer experience. Um, this is not a time for counseling. That's not what this is about. That's a whole different topic. Uh, this is a time where we just want to pray. A soaking over people's lives, 
We're asking Jesus to bring them healing. That's it. That's just your place. The Lord tells us to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So we're asking, we're laying hands on people and we're soaking them with prayer and we're asking them to receive healing. Uh, so who could come up today? If people can't find forgiveness from past sin, past failings, you need to get prayer today of inner healing. If people are stuck today with deep unforgiveness or bitterness because of people who've hurt you in your past, you need to come up today. Or if you're stuck, somehow you feel by a traumatic event that happened in your, in your life or childhood, neglect that you received growing up, uh, or it hurts you even to this very day. Again, we could spend hours on this in far more detail. We don't have the time for that. The Lord would have healing for you today. God can do a special work right here and now. It doesn't take 40 hours of counseling. The Lord knows how to bring healing to us when we're wounded. So if anyone here today is in any of those categories that needs healing, these folks are, I believe they have hands, I believe they have faith, and I believe they know how to bring the uh, throne room of God into your life. So why don't you trust someone enough to let them love you? Because obviously this is a big deal. You know, I don't, know if I, I don't know if I trust people. I get it. I get it. But it's an opportunity. Don't leave here tonight. If you believe in your heart, the Lord would have you be prayed for. Don't leave here tonight without prayer. That's, that's the most important thing. Don't leave here tonight. If you forget my words, it doesn't matter. But never forget Jesus. Never forget him. Never forget his love for you that's always available that he's available for you to bring wholeness and healing to your lives. I don't want to see people go through any more days and suffer so needlessly when they shouldn't have to. And anyone who's found inner healing in them, they know what I'm talking about. Who here can say, I have found inner healing from the Lord in my life? Oh, yeah, sure, lots of folks. It's, it's a convention. Look at this. Wow. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, they could tell you about their lives, how the Lord has, has touched their lives. Yeah. Again, I've heard horrible things from people. I've heard of parents that have burnt cigarettes into their kids. I've heard of parents that have uh, brutalized their children, horribly neglected them. Uh, people put in situations in life that they should never go through. My gosh, how can you do this to other people? It's just amazing to me. But the Lord loves if he forgives and he heals. So let's come on up if you need prayer now. Our brothers are here just going to minister quietly on guitar here. And let's just uh, believe the Lord now. We thank you for this, Father. We invite Holy Spirit, Lord, today to bring healing to souls, Lord God, healing to hearts. Some are going through progressive healings right now. This is just one more place, one more stop. We thank you for that, Lord. As we're uh, drawing to a close here, a couple things I want to mention. You know, we do have ministries in our church. We don't label them inner healing, but... Inner healing is a lot of what they do in a respect. Uh, Michelle Gages, who's praying now back there, uh, there's a ministry for the women called Revealed. Uh, that's definitely a, a ministry of deliverance and inner healing. Definitely would recommend that. You could see Michelle or call the church office for more information. Uh, there, you know, Ralph and Donna Ferry are over here. They can just raise their hand there. They do a divorce care ministry. Well, you know, divorce care... Part of that is an inner healing. A lot of folks that have been to divorce care, uh, they wouldn't use the words, but they received an inner healing inside of them 
as a result of how many people have been through multiple marriages because of wounds from childhood and found healing and a new start in life. So this is a very good ministry for folks that have been divorced and are looking for healing if there's an issue. Highly recommend what they do. Uh, so there, we have other ministries like that at the church that fall under that umbrella of inner healing. Uh, you know, the Lord does a work in us, and we rejoice at how good He is. And um, so let's just pray here. Father God, we thank You, Lord, tonight for these people receiving prayer. We thank You, Lord God, for Your work that You're going to do in them, Father, in these days ahead. It doesn't stop tonight. But the Lord God, you would give them all the tools they need to spiritually get back into that stream of grace that we all flow in in the body of Christ. Unhindered, unmuddied, that Lord God, we would uh, bear fruit for you in every aspect of life this side of heaven. That Lord, you would be pleased as we thank you, Father God, uh, just because of the blood of Jesus, we're pleasing in your sight. There's nothing we can add to it. So, Lord God, we just speak healing to everyone here tonight, those that are watching on live stream, who would listen to this uh, on a podcast, that they would find the healing of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives, a peace that they have never known before, a release from pain that they have never experienced before, that, Father God, they would go on in the joy that's in Christ. We thank you for this in Jesus' name tonight, for what you are doing in the lives of people and what you'll continue to do. Amen. Can you say amen? And amen. Praise the Lord.